you'll turn your Bibles to 2 Samuel, the 5th chapter and the 6th verse. The king and his men marched to Jerusalem against the Jebusites who inhabited the land. The Jebusites had said to David, you will never get in there. Even the blind of the lame and lame can repeal you, thinking David can't get in there. Thank you. Now, they took it to a whole different level on music this morning than I did. I sent Chris the song the other day, and I said, this is what I want Sunday. And I said, yes, I, I do know what the song is. So, in case you're wondering, yes, you did hear the song, Bad to the Bone, as we were starting up this morning. And the reason I had that song played this morning is that here Samuel is recording about a place that, well, it's a very holy place to us as God's children. But at one time, it was not. It was not a holy place. It was the most evil, vicious, wicked territory, spot of ground on the planet. So, have you ever known something as something and then find out later it's not, that it had a different name before that? How many of you know Riverton had a different name before it became Riverton? What was the name? Bark. And what happened was in the 1800s, late 1800s, when the settlers came in and they began to settle in this area and they came out of Lowell coming this way and, well, they wanted a post office. And so they went and found a very influential man down in Baxter Springs named Dad Varick. And so the postmaster agreed to put a post office here in Riverton or in this area, but they had to shorten the name to Vark. And then in the early 1900s, around 1906 and 1907, about the time Gary started working for the power plant, <laughs> actually when the power plant was built in about 06 and 07 of 1900, they changed the the river Ton. And Ton in the Anglo-Saxon word was town on the river. So that is where we have Riverton. If you go a little further to the east to our friends in Missouri in a little town called Orinogo, you find that the miners and everything that settled there actually named that town Minersville. And so when they started delivering mail by rail service and it started coming in, that's when they found out that, well, they, first of all, they didn't have Google. And they must not have been married because their wives would have known everything. But they, they didn't have any of that. And so they named the town Minersville, not knowing there was another town in Missouri named Minersville. And so when the mail would start coming in on rail service, then sometimes it would get put on the wrong train going the wrong direction, and they would get their mail several weeks or months late if they ever got it at all. 
So then they turned around and they said, okay, we want to change the name, so let's change it to Or, O, No, Go. And finally one of them said, that's kind of hard for some of us folks, let's just slap it all together and say Or, No, Go. Now there's also a, a theory out there that while they were mining in that area that they found or no gold. And so there's that theory also. But there are times and places in the Bible and in our own lives and communities that it's not what we originally thought it was. It's not always been that. And that's what happens here in 2 Samuel because Samuel is writing in the past tense. He's looking back at what has happened and he's recording what has happened. So Samuel says that David and his men marched down to Jerusalem and took siege of it. But it wasn't actually Jerusalem that they marched on. It was Jabus. J-E-B-U-S. Because the Jebusites inhabited the land. They were the ones that were there. And, and the Jebusites were the most vicious, cruel warriors ever recorded in the Bible. Things that they did through historians to their captures are unreal. They're horrific. And I don't want to belittle anything that has happened in any war since, but the things the Jebusites did to their captured and to their enemies and their foes were the horriblest things that you could ever imagine being performed. They were worse than the Romans. They were worse than the Germans. They were worse than anything that you could ever imagine happening. They did horrific things. And so when David was crowned king after Saul was taken out and David is crowned king and, and here is the land that he is supposed to go get, the city known as Jerusalem. And so he goes down to it and the Jebusites are sitting there. And the reason I had that song, Bad to the Bone, played this morning because there's a line in there that says that even when they walk down the street, that even king and queens step aside. And so when King David, a mighty warrior who overtook and overthrew many people and many times and had overcome many obstacles in his life, when David come up, the Jebusites started laughing. And they said, we're going to send out our lame and our blind and you won't even get in here through them. Now Samuel, our God, neither one is making light of anyone with an inform that's a disability or blind or anything like that. What they are saying here is the Jebusites were telling David, we will send the very weakest part of our army out and you can't get through them. And Satan does the same thing with us today. He will take us and make us spiritually blind and faithfully lame to where we are defeated before our feet ever hit the floor in the morning. 
We don't even stand a chance when we gotta get out of bed because we believe in our mind that He is more powerful and greater than anything else. I love the saying, and I saw it this week on Facebook, and if you want to get gospel, just, just find Facebook after the first year because everybody finds religion. And to be honest with you, I, I, I really want to go home this afternoon and scroll through Facebook and watch all these services that are live because I just can't wait to count how many services are going to be 2020 and 2020. Our vision in 2020, our vision in 2020 should be the same thing as it was in 2019, 2018, and 2008, and I'm back. It should be about edifying and glorifying God and sharing His love with a lost and dying world. And if you're waiting to 2020 to start that, you're late. But here, David and his army come up and they say, you can't get in. We are the most fierce warriors on the planet. You don't stand a chance with us. But David, being a man after God's own heart, said, yes, yes we do. We stand a greater chance. You see, this week on Facebook, one of my favorite posts came out, and it was just very simple. And it says, stop telling God how big your mountain is, but stop telling the mountain how big your God is. And so when David saw this fortified city with all these people that were there to protect it and guard it and keep people out, David said, there's a way. There's a way. And there's a lot of us that are sitting here this morning that are facing a new year and we're like, man, who did you kiss on 2020? I kissed 2019 goodbye because I'm tired of all that other stuff. We can kiss our old goodbye every day and welcome in with an open arms a loving God that will take us through whatever adversity we face. Whether it's a sickness or whether it's a financial issue or whether it is a marital issue, whether it's a relationship issue, whether it's a, a school issue, whether it's whatever issue it is and it faces us, to us it becomes the most severe thing that can be out in front of us. And David's own people who had fought battles with David, who had, who had overcome and won victories, are standing here now looking at this city going, we can't do it. They're right. We can't do it. Too many of God's children are waking up in the morning going, I'm defeated already. Before I even open my eyes, I know today is going to be the worst day of my life. I want to tell you something, and I've told this several times, and I'll keep telling it because it's so true. Wake up three times with a crash cart sitting beside your bed, and any day you wake up is a good day. 
If you open your eyes and you're still breathing, you're seeing green and not looking up at brown, it's a great morning. And so when David looked at the city, he went, there's a way. There's a way in. And so what did David tell his men? We find here in 2 Samuel, the 5th chapter, that David did capture the stronghold of Zion, that is the city of David. And he said that day, whoever attacks the Jebubites, Jebubites must go through the water shaft to reach the lame and the blind who are despised by David. Now does this mean David despises those that have something wrong with them? No, it's not. But what David did despise and what it just irritates the throne room of heaven is when God's own people say, I can't do this. It's bigger than anything. There's no way possible. And we become lame and we become blind to what we've already saw. Now, Some of us in here have witnessed some very big natural disasters. We've either saw them in... We've had tornadoes, we've had floods, we've had wrecks, we've had, we've had terrible things come, or, and we've seen them and witnessed them in person happen to us, or we've watched them on television. Leave our eyes. We become blind to the fact that it can be recovered and restored. My youngest brother had the assignment after Katrina hit the Gulf Coast to go down to New Orleans. And he said it was worse than anything they were showing on any television anywhere. He said it literally. There were people there that worked with him and they had protected protective guards from the National Guard who said that they had been in active war zones that did not look as bad as what they were saying. As far as the destruction and the totality of taking things out. But you go down to the south coast now and it's starting to thrive. It's starting to be rebuilt. It's starting to be put back together. And so when people are seeing, but the first thing they see is, oh, it's horrible. It's worse. So we become spiritually blinded to what God can do. Because we're listening to the Jebusites saying, today's going to be worse than yesterday. Instead of walking in faith, quit limping around in faith and start walking upright in faith saying today it's going to be better than yesterday because today I'm closer to God than I've ever been. And so what David said here was we got to go through the waterways to get to them. And we see in the New Testament in John, the first chapter that John the Baptist said it and John the Beloved recorded it when he said in chapter 1 and 26 of, first John, of, of John, I will baptize with water. 
But there's one who stands among us that you do not know. So you see, when David knew that going through the water, that it would wash away the scales and the, and the blind eyes, and it would open them up, and they would see that there was a path through. And so many of us Christians today need to see there is a path through and out of the life we're in. We don't have to stay in fear. We don't have to stay crippled. We don't have to stay where we are not supposed to be. We can go through the water and get there. And we find that several different times it was recorded, David here told them to go through the water and they would obtain victory. And it would wash away their lame excuses and open up their blind eyes. And David that day didn't believe that he didn't have the power of God with him. He believed that he had the power to encounter and overcome through God. We find that water before Christ, before Christ came, that water was the purifying aspect of people. Naaman the leper went down to the Jordan, dipped seven times in the water and was made clean. It was made whole. So the water that purified and washed away. And it wasn't so much that the water did it. It was the faith to do what they were instructed to do. And that's the part today that Christians are becoming so lame and blinded by is that we don't have the faith to follow God's will and plan for our life. We believe that whatever somebody else tells us is the gospel. And that is more important than what God's word says. That's why I've been having our young people and other people come up and read the scripture because it's not what I'm making up. It's actually in God's word. And when I give you a scripture like I did earlier about John covering, it is so you will see that it is from God's Word. It's not me. I believe what the Word says. But I could stand up here this morning and tell you out of the third book of Michael that it says for you to go out and buy my dinner today. I didn't get an amen or a taker on that. Robin goes, there ain't no Michael. <laughs> That's why. But too many of God's children are sitting in pews and chairs and waiting on somebody else to tell them what God's Word says without finding it out for themselves. But David knew God was a man of His Word. That whatever God had told him was going to happen would happen if David remained faithful. And so David said, yes, I will. And so we will go through the waterway and we will get, obtain victory. That our blinded eyes will be open and it will allow the children of Israel to see what they can do. We also follow it back and look in the book of Judges. If you'll turn to Judges 19, you can find the story here. 
of a faithful Levite man. And this faithful Levite man had attained a wife. And his wife was unfaithful. She's much, much like a lot of church members today. She liked the old lifestyle. She liked where she was at. She liked being over here because it made her feel good and it brought pleasure to her and it was something she was familiar with. And so if she stayed over here, she felt safe and comfortable. But instead of listening to God's word and knowing that if she went where God wanted her to be at, she would be really protected. And so we find the Levite goes after him and he takes a slave with him, one of his servants with him, and they, they saddle up two donkeys and they go on over. Now I'm not real sure why they only saddled two because two were going but three were coming back. So I don't know who he was going to make walk, his wife or the servant. But he only saddled two donkeys. And so the Levite goes over and he gets his wife and, and, and her dad, he didn't want her to go because he, he wanted her to stay with him and he wanted the Levite to stay with them also. And so they, he delayed their journey leaving four or five days. And that's the way that the world wants to do us as Christians. They want us to come out from where God wants us to be at and go over to where we're not supposed to be at. And when we get over there, then the world wants us to be detained and delayed and keep putting things off. Keeping it. Every time it'd be like, you can't leave. You're, you're, you don't have strength for the journey. You can't leave because you, you don't have substance to carry with you. You can't leave because you're not strong enough on your own to go. You need a little bit more. And that's how the world brings us in. The Jebusites knew that if they kept David down and defeated by their words, then they couldn't, he wouldn't come in and defeat them. But David went in and defeated them. And so the Levite finally said, enough is enough and let's go. And so they loaded up his wife and, he, and, the, and the servant and the, and the master and they started to leave. And as it nightfall drew up, they came to this city called Jabus. They came to the city and as they started to pass by, the servant says, let's seek refuge in here. Let's go in and get us a room. Let's go in and find somewhere that we can eat and we can rest and we can spend the night and we can get there. The Levite, faithful man of God, said we're not going in to that city. We're not going in to dwell there. And the reason we're not going in, because I'm sure his wife, she was tired. She was unfaithful anyway, and she wasn't believing. But she was like, I want to go in and lay down and go to sleep. Some of y'all have heard this story before, but I'll tell you this on myself. And I, I, I overbooked one weekend, and, and I agreed to, to work the state fair at Missouri. We worked in the poultry cabana and we, we, we fed people and we raised money for scholarships that we gave students and, and I agreed to go and they gave us tickets to the state fair so 
Katie and our daughter and myself were going to go, but I found out that the Atlanta Braves were playing this little minor league team in St. Louis called the Cardinals. And, and so we went, and, and, and I got tickets, and I went, and, and I didn't realize that that Sedalia, Missouri, and St. Louis, Missouri are not neighbors. There, there's a distance between them. And so as we, we got to St. Louis and the game ended and, and, and we started to leave, there, there was no rooms. They had convention after convention after convention and all this. Th- so there was no rooms there in St. Louis. And so as we started driving across and getting closer to Sedalia and going further and further away and fewer and fewer lights, less and less places to stop and finally we were driving down the road and off in the distance several miles off the road I see this huge sign that says vacancy and I went thank goodness because my wife was tired and my daughter was tired and then and we needed to get some sleep so we could get rested up to go the next day and so I pull off and I wander down through this little area and I go back in and street lights quickly disappeared and it was dark and and as I go up and I park in the parking lot and I go up and I knock 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 finally this guy comes out in a bathrobe that looked like he bought in Riverton, Kansas in the early 1900s and I said I need a room for the night he said the whole night and I was like yeah and he said okay and I said he said how many people and I said well three and he quickly his eyes opened up wider and I didn't understand why and but as we we found a place of refuge And we went in, and and as we turned the lights on, I I believe we literally could hear the roaches and the rats folding up the card tables and putting away their chips and dip and leaving the room. And I I run to the restroom, and my lovely wife and daughter come in, and I hear the exclamations out in there. It says, I can't believe this. And I walked back out and they had turned down the top cover and the blankets on the bed was all there was was blankets said property of U-Haul. We didn't even get real bedding. So that would have been an opportunity for me to have turned and not went into the city. But the Levite came by and, and, and the servant said, let's go in and stop and rest. The wife, I'm sure, was urging it on. Let's go in and stop and rest here. There's refuge here in this town. But the Levite, faithful man of God, said, we're not going in because the God of Israel doesn't have any children in this facility. So what the Levite was saying, where God is not dwelling, I'm not going in. And that's the way we as God's children today need to become. We need to become so diligent in following God's plan that where God is not, we don't need to be there either. 
I think I actually wrote it in my notes. If God ain't there, stay away. You ride around any of these stores and that have adult material or theaters or anything like that and you look and there's no windows because they don't want the light coming in. And so we don't need to penetrate in. We need to stay out. And this is what the Levite was telling them. We're not going to go in where God is not dwelling. And the problem with Christian men and women today and the reason that we fall, the reason we become defeated, the reason that the Jebusites are so hot on our trail and will beat us down and make us do horrible things that we feel so miserable about the next day or right as we're doing them sometimes, even right at that moment, is because we're going into where we're not supposed to be. God was not there. And the Levites said, we're not going. But take a look at where it says in your Bibles, in Second or in, in Judges 1 or 19. It says, we will not stop at a foreign city where there are no Israelites. Who? God's children. We need to quit stopping at places where God's children are not at. And you say, now wait a minute, now Jesus went out and done, yes I know he did and we're going to get there. But if you're spiritually blind and you're faithfully lame, you don't need to put yourself in a spot of temptation. Now I'm going to be honest with you, I, I, I love each and every one of you and, and all those goodie bags and gifts and boxes of the cookies and candies and all that, I loved them. But when they were sitting on my kitchen table, they were a temptation. Every time I'd walk by, I'd say, mmm, that one looks good. And I'd try me one of them. And I'd come back a little bit later and I'd look in another bag and I'd be, mmm, that really looks good. And I'll try me one of them. Now, there wasn't nothing wrong with the candies or the cookies or the goodies that were in there. There wasn't nothing wrong with none of that. Unless you're a diabetic. There's nothing wrong with bright, shiny objects. Unless you're faithfully lame and spiritually blind and can't follow God's will and are tempted and stray under what man wants you to do. So what did the Levite tell them? We're not going into this foreign city. We're not going into Jabez where it is rough, where it is bad, and where there are awful things happening. He said, let us move on to Gabath. Let's move on to Gabath. And as I read that, I was beginning to wonder, and I, I looked and I thought, there's something special about that. Gabath is also known as the birthplace of Saul. Gabath is where Saul was born. Gabath is a city. And I thought, what's so special about that? So then I looked it up in the Hebrew. Now, don't think I'm smart or anything. 
thing. I just Googled, what does it mean? And it told me. Gabath means the hill. The Hebrew meaning of Gabath is the hill. Today, as we are passing by the temptations that come upon our flesh and it causes us to be blind, we can take it to the hill. We can take it to the hill called Mount Calvary. We can take it to the hill where the cross was. We can take the temptations. We can take our spiritual blindness and our faithful lameness and we can take it to the hill of Calvary and nail it to the cross where Jesus intended for us to leave it at. We don't have to enter into the city where there are not God's people dwelling. We can take it to the hill to where God's Son died to keep us free and safe and whole. We can have a Gabbath in our own lives. We can have a Gabbath experience right here in the altars this morning when you decide to take whatever it is that's leading you away from God, whatever it is that says you can't defeat me, whatever it is that says I am stronger than you, you can take it to Gabbath and let God's Son's blood take care of it. There on the hill called Calvary. My father used to stand and every time he would go somewhere, they would ask him. They'd say, hey, El, come up and sing for us. And without hesitation, daddy would go up and if he didn't have his guitar, he'd have the, the he called her the piano player. And he'd hand her a songbook and it'd always be opened up to the same page and the same song. And it was the old rugged cross. And he would stand there and he would sing that song. But he sung it with passion and he sung it because it was true. And he sung it because he carried all the burdens of his life. He carried all of his addictions that he once had. He carried everything in his life that made him feel less than a, than a perfect person. And he carried it to the old rugged cross. And he nailed it there on that cross. And then he walked away from it. So the Levite said, we're not going into the city where God's not dwelling. We're going to the hill where God's Son is. And that's where we need to go today. We need to take our burdens and our trials, our temptations. Now let me tell you, it would have been easy to walk by that table and go, mm, don't need none of them goodies. But there was a little voice in my head going, don't hurt them people's feelings. They worked hard to make that stuff for you. It was almost like that when I walked by. In Sam's, they had them five-gallon buckets of peanut brittle. Oh. I really and truly think that was more damaging than the goodies that people made at home. Matter of fact, the other day we walked in and my wife, as we got out of the truck, looked at me and went, no peanut brittle. So I got the fudge-covered graham cookies. <laughs> hey, they were $3, okay? Somebody's got to have them. But anyway, here we are. Jebubites, 
Jabez, the city that is bad, the city that is awful, the city that will destroy you, make you do awful things, make you feel bad about yourself. Stay out of it. Don't go in it. Go to the hill. Take it to God's Son. Because you see what happened next in the book of John. Was that John said in the Beloved recorded it. I don't know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water told me that the one you see the Spirit descending on and resting on you, John 1, 33 and 34, the Spirit descending and resting on, He is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and I have testified that He is the Son of God. He is the Son of God. Don't get excited. Don't think we're going, we ain't changing the name out front. But yes, this is the second Sunday we've talked about the Holy Spirit in the Baptist church. Pick your feet up. It ain't going to, you know, it ain't contagious. It ought to be contagious. Because it's a part of the Trinity. It is a part of God. It's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. You can't have one without the others. You cannot separate them out. You cannot make a difference in them. But let me tell you, that's what Satan has done in the world today, especially in God's church. He has separated us out and said, this is for them, that's for those, and that over there don't have a part. And he's made us spiritually lame and and blind. Our faith is gone away because we leave out parts. John said, I baptize with water, but there's one coming that's going to baptize with the Spirit. The difference in the Spirit in the Old Testament and the New Testament is the Old Testament, the Spirit came on them. The New Testament, the Spirit came in them. So when the Spirit comes inside of us and we have been washed by the blood of the Lamb and remember on the cross when we take it to the hill it said when they stabbed Him in the side that the water and the blood flowed out. The water and the blood flowed out. A little anatomy lesson. There's nowhere scripturally does it ever say that the blood ever entered back into the body of Jesus Christ. That He poured it all out on the hill for you and I. He poured it all out for us so that we could defeat the Jabites in our life. We don't have to have a Jabus coming at us every morning when we wake up. We don't have to be in fear. We don't have to walk alone. We don't have to be defeated. We don't have to have the smallest thing trip us up. We can stand victorious through the blood of the Lamb because we've been washed by that blood and we are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. David took victory through the water. 
John baptized with water. Naaman was cleansed by the water. But Jesus' death and power and protective spirit baptizes us to keep us under his domain and a domain that no power on earth or hell can defeat or overcome. So how do we do this? How do we get there? In 1 Chronicles 11 verses 4 through 5, David is going to tell us. Because not only was the story of Jabez being overtaken in the book of Samuel, but it's also in the book of Chronicles. In 1 Chronicles 11, 4 through 5, it said, David and all of Israel marched to Jerusalem. Church, that's what's the matter today. We're allowing three or four people to do the marching while the rest of us sit and do the complaining. Y'all gonna make me get down there and holler amen again, ain't you? All of Israel marched. They had one goal. They had one thing in their mind to do God's will. To reach a lost and dying world in a community, in their homes, in their areas, their schools. All of Jerusalem marched. I looked that up too in the Hebrew. You know what it means? All. Every one of them. They all went marching. But the Jebusites that inhabited the land were there. The inhabitants of Jebusites said to David, you'll never get in here. Yet David captured the stronghold of Zion. And this is what David said. Whoever is the first to kill a Jebusite will become commander in chief. Now let me tell you, it ain't easy for a redneck to keep saying Jebusites. I, I, I ain't going to get that word right twice in a row. I ain't doing it. But he said, whoever is the first to kill will become chief commander. So let me tell you what God's word is telling us here. When you wake up in the morning, instead of them letting, letting them fight the, final, the, the fatal blow, you wake up going, this is my day, Satan, and you can't have a part of it at all. When you wake up in the morning, you strike that blow to the head of Satan and say, not today. And when your feet hit the floor, that song, Bad to the Bone, ought to be shaking the foundations of hell because you're awake and ready to power the battle because you're fighting it through the power of God. David said the first to strike the blow. And through the power of God's Son walking out of the grave after he was on the cross he walked out striking the first blow to defeat the grave to defeat death and to defeat hell. he struck the first blow for you and I that we could obtain the same power because the same power that raised him from the dead lives inside of us and he even told his disciples what you see me do you were going to do even greater things I didn't get no way man on that either. Because we don't believe we are defeated by the, the Jebusites every day when we get up and we say, oh, we, you can't, you don't have power. 
You don't have authority. Dominion. You're not able to defeat me. But God's son said that when we dwell where God dwells and we take it to the cross and we walk away filled and infilled with his love and his power, we are greater than anything else. God's word says that greater is he that lives within me than he that lives within the world. After waking up with those crash carts by the bed, I even had people that admittedly are not Christian, admittedly don't believe that there is a God that would walk in and say, we don't know what happened, but somebody up there loves you. And there's many of us today that can walk through this world and our lives will be a testimony that it's not ourselves, but it's because of the power that lives inside of us that we're not who we used to be. And you see, the greatest thing about names being changed, it's not just the names of cities that can be changed. Your name can be changed. Your name can be changed. Your name can be that one that was lost is now found. That one that wandered off is now back home. That one that was addicted is now set free. That one that sinned is now born again. That one that was broken is now made whole. That one that is weak is now made strong. That one that was unlovable is now loved. That one that is uncared for is now caring. And that one that was not mine is mine now. It is God's power to change and take our Jabez's out of our lives and throw them away and break them down and give us the fortress, the farmhold that we could take the city. And it said not only did David take that city, but he added to it. He fortified it up and he built more to it. And he said, it is mine through the power of God that saved me. And we can do the same thing today, church. We can take this area back from the powers and the grips of Satan. This area. Look around. Who would have thought 20 years ago at 10 o'clock in the morning we had had an armed robbery in Riverton, Kansas? Who would have thought that? Who would have thought 20 years ago that people are scared to go outside at night because of the things that are happening in this little community? Who would have thought 20 years ago that you were unable to send your child across the street in fear of the somebody attacking or getting them and taking them away? Who would have thought it? But let me tell you, church, if we'll strike the first blow, and that first blow is coming and getting on your knees and telling Satan, not today. This is my community. I'm going to start expanding from right here. And I'm going to start building out and I'm going to start enforcing and, and, and bringing up and, and, and making it impenetrable for you to come in to our community, to our homes, to our lives, to our schools and to our churches. 
Church, today we have wandered far, far away from home. And it's time we come back. David walked up to that city that day and they began to laugh. They began to laugh at him. They told him, you can't come in here. And David turned around and looked at his cupbearer and said, here, hold this just a minute. We got something we need to do today. And he rolled up his sleeves and he said, the God that brought me to the victory that I have right now is going to keep taking me through and make me victorious overall. Too many of us are living where God's not dwelling. Too many of us are broken because we're, we're not taking it to the hill. And too many of us are waking up in the morning and being defeated by letting Satan throw the first punch instead of us throwing it ourselves. So today I ask you, where, what's your Jabez? What is your Jabez? Is it the power that Satan has over you that keeps you from coming to the church? Is it the power that Satan has over you that says, oh, go ahead, it, it won't hurt you? Is it the power that Satan's got over us that says, I, boy, I take, we had more songs like we had this morning, people would come to church. Yeah, I said it. Because I want to tell you something this morning. Any song that takes you to the hill and glorifies and edifies our Lord and Savior is a good song. It don't matter what tempo it is. It don't matter what beat it's got. It don't matter whether you like it or not. If it edifies and glorifies our Lord and Savior, it's a good one. It may be in a hymnal that's covered in dust or it may be on a wall somewhere, but as long as it's striking the first blow to bring glory and honor to God, it'll bring glory and honor to your life and you can defeat whatever comes at you. So today, what is your Jabez? What is it you need to overcome? Where do you need to quit dwelling? Do you need to come and be washed in the blood? Do you need to come and be filled with the Spirit? Do you need to just come this morning and just nail it to the cross? Take it to the hill. Whatever it is this morning, will you just come? Father, this morning as our praise team comes and we begin to get ready, Lord, for your invitation. And Father, that's what it is. It's an invitation from you to to your people and to those that are here, Lord, to, to come and to be set free and to be made whole. It's an invitation to lay down burdens and heartaches and cares. It's an invitation to, to receive grace and mercy. And it's an invitation to walk away strong and bold. 
It's an invitation to be able to stand victorious in whatever battle that we face. Lord, there's some of us here this morning that, Lord, we've done horrible things to people. We've done horrible things to ourselves. Things we're not proud of, things we're ashamed of, things that maybe, Lord, if some knew what had happened in our lives, they would, Lord, they may not think as much of us. But, Lord, we know that you always love us. You're always there for us. And Lord, you're always inviting us to come dwell where you're at. So we can be not defeated anymore, but victorious. So we can be, Father, happy. Oh, but Father, that we can be a stronghold to reach out and pull others in to give others a place of, of refuge. Father, whatever the need is this morning, Father, let's not look at our lives and say, if I go, they're going to wonder. Let's look at our lives and say, I've got to go, so I'll stop wondering. And Father, if there are those that are sitting there and people come and they're wondering, Lord, put them under conviction and let them come too because they're just as lame and blind as anyone when they can't see the glory of your power being poured out on your people. Father, this morning, whatever the need is, let them come. Father, our altars are open. If they need to come and just refresh and refuel, Lord, let them come. They need to come and repent and, and Father, accept and believe, Lord, let them come. Lord, if they just need to unite with the body of believers this morning, Lord, let them come. Whatever the need is today, Father, let them meet you on the hill called Calvary. And Lord, we pray this in your son's holy name. Amen. Will you stand with us as they sing?